Welcome to the Voice of Louisiana Agriculture podcast, a weekly look at the latest news in Louisiana agriculture. Coming up, we'll have a look at this week's Louisiana Ag News headlines. We'll check out the latest happenings at the state capitol and in Washington, D.C. in our grassroots government segment. We'll hear from one of you as we take you to the fields and pastures of the Bayou State and find out the latest in crop and cattle conditions. And we'll look inside the markets with commentary from experts at the Louisiana Farm Bureau Marketing Association. All of this and more coming up on this week's podcast. Now, here's the host of the Voice of Louisiana Agriculture podcast, Kerry Martin. Hello, everyone, and welcome to Episode 12 of the Voice of Louisiana Agriculture podcast for July 20th of 2018. I'm your host, Kerry Martin, and I'm glad to be back with you after taking a couple of weeks off. Now, if you listened to our last podcast, I told you I was going to take a week off for the July 4th holiday. That actually turned into a two-week break. I took another week to have some surgery done on my nose. There's no real helping the appearance of it, but it does work a whole lot better now. So I'm glad I had that procedure done. I can breathe a lot better, and I'm glad to be back with you, back in the saddle here for another edition of the Voice of Louisiana Agriculture podcast. And before we get started, I want to take a quick minute just to say thank you to everyone who listens to the podcast each week. I've gotten a lot of feedback from you over the last few weeks, especially at the Louisiana Farm Bureau Convention, as well as taking a look at statistics. You know, in this digital age, we can see how many people listen, how many people download, and the response has just been overwhelming. I'm just blown away by how many people listen and download the podcast each week, and I just want you to know I really appreciate it. Don't forget, you can always subscribe to the podcast through iTunes if you're an Apple user, through Google Play if you're an Android user. You can also get the SoundCloud app. You can subscribe to it right through SoundCloud, and the fourth way to listen is right off of our website, voiceoflaag.org. And you can download it from the website, or you can stream it right there as well. Just click the podcast link at the top of the page. Well, it's time to get started. Here's Episode 12 of the Voice of Louisiana Agriculture podcast. News Headlines is next. Here's a look at the latest news headlines in Louisiana agriculture on the Voice of Louisiana Agriculture podcast. Louisiana Commissioner of Agriculture and Forestry Dr. Mike Strain and Governor John Bell Edwards continued their tour of rural Louisiana last week. Last Thursday, they met with a group of sugarcane farmers in Iberville Parish. Our own Don Molino was at that meeting. Dr. Strain, as usual, emphasized the importance of agriculture to the Louisiana economy. Well, we're having a meeting, you know, with the sugarcane farmers, and of course they grow soybeans and other crops. I'm here with Governor John Bell Edwards, and as you know, each year we do multiple farm tours. Mostly what we're here to do is listen, to talk about what's going on, listen to concerns of farmers. And what this does, this helps us as we move forward with our agenda for the year and what we're trying to accomplish in the legislature and on the national level. 
you know, because this is where the rubber meets the road. And these farmers are going to tell us exactly what's on their mind and exactly what we need to try to do. And then the governor and I will work together to try to accomplish that. Remember, our primary job is rural economic development. You know, we talk about the work the governor and I do together and agriculture and forestry. And so we're here in the heart of sugarcane country and some nice cane. You saw a lot of soybeans here. So, th you know, this is a beautiful place. And, of course, we're here in the tractor shed. It doesn't get any better than that, right? And Governor Edwards echoed the feelings of Dr. Strain. Sugar crop last year was worth more than $1.1 billion. And all of Ag and Forestry together is $13 billion. So it's incredibly important, uh, not just because of the economic impact, not just because of the jobs, but because it preserves a way of life that we've had in Louisiana that we enjoy, uh, that contributes so much to not just our economy, uh, but, but to everything that we know and love about Louisiana. Uh, and so it is incredibly important, which is why we have to continue to stay on the leading edge of research. Uh, and I appreciate the sugarcane farmers because they contribute directly uh, to the cost of that research. And of course, uh, we do as a state as well when we invest state journal fund dollars in higher education and our ag centers, uh, especially at LSU. So incredibly important. And I think you can see from the folks here today, they continue to be excited about what they were able to accomplish last year. And right now, uh, they're looking at a good crop uh, this year as well. I'm Don Molino on the Voice of Louisiana Agriculture podcast. Soybean prices are now at nine-year lows thanks to tariffs in the current trade standoff with China. Louisiana soybean producers have lost over $1 million in the value of the Louisiana soybean crop over the last two months. And that has soybean farmer Carlos Polozoa of St. Landry Parish very nervous. If the tariffs remain in place and the Midwest actually, you know, as a country, we harvest another big crop this year, then I think at the end of the year things could get severely ugly with a, an abundant supply and China, as you know, they buy 60% of our soybeans. If they're not a major player in, in the market and buying our crop, it could get really ugly. LSU Ag Center economist Dr. Michael Deliberto says the longer this trade dispute drags on, the more long-term damage we'll see to the market. I'll say with trade tensions now that are, uh, that are, that are real, 25% tariff on the soybeans that are going into China, as that demand shrinks or erodes and that demand can't be met by other countries stepping up to the plate and buying a portion of those soybeans, the carryout or the ending stocks is going to get larger and larger. As Polozola's soybean crop grows and moves towards harvest, he hopes that Congress will not forget about America's farmers and ranchers. You know, we're just one bad crop away from being in a really bind, so I hope our legislatures can, um, can remember the times years and years ago where this country was hungry and, and helped sustain the farms. You know, other countries put a lot more money into agriculture than what this country does. And so I, I hope the legislatures will do the right thing when it comes to the farm bill. Crop conditions continue to be mixed across Louisiana depending on where the rain has fallen. The latest Louisiana Crop Progress and Condition Report shows 35% of the state's topsoils are still struggling with poor to very poor moisture levels. Even with the hit-and-miss rainfall, the soybean crop ratings have improved. Ray Schecksneider grows soybeans in Point Capi Parish. The bean crop right now looks like it's one of the best we've had in a long time. It's uh, all early beans, late beans, they all really look good. Statewide, the soybean crop is rated 12% excellent, 43% good, 36% fair, and only 9% poor to very poor.
Shake Schneider hopes good crop conditions will help make up for the drop in soybean prices. Right now, it looks like you know it could be a uh, hundred to hundred fifty thousand dollars off from you know what we planned on. The 2018 Farm Bill is now headed to conference, and Louisiana Congressman Ralph Abraham has been named to the conference committee. Don Molino has more. Between the two versions of the new Farm Bill, Abraham says he prefers the one approved by the House. Well, on the House side, you know, I'm, I'm, I like the bill a lot. Now, again, I wish the Senate bill was a little more forceful in some of its uh, provisions, but that's what the conference committee is for, to come to the table and, you know, let's have that direct discussion with our Senate partners and say, hey, you know, you need to get this done, uh, you know, for our farmers. I mean, we all know that, you know, farmers are patriots. They're our thin green line, and we need to preserve that economic uh, engine that they provide not only for Louisiana, but uh, for America. I mean, in Louisiana alone, we're talking about billions of dollars of economic drive here. So it's a big, again, it's a huge deal. I'm Don Molino on the Voice of Louisiana Agriculture podcast. We'll have more from Congressman Ralph Abraham in our Grassroots Government segment later in the podcast. The LSU Ag Center's H. Rouse Caffey Rice Research Station held their annual field day last month. Avery Davidson was there. This is the 109th annual field day, a chance for farmers and researchers to interact and learn about the latest advancements in rice. The funds that are generated by the patents and seeds and different varieties that we work with here more than any other contribution that's made to the LSU system. Louisiana Farm Bureau President Ronnie Anderson also sits on the LSU Board of Supervisors. He's not alone in knowing the monetary and educational value of the work done at the Rice Research Station. We get to see the technology done here, we get to see the innovation, and we get to see everything the LSU Ag Center is doing to try to help our bottom line and varieties that reflect those kind of economic benefits to us. And it's a great way of sharing it with, with any and all. As Evangeline Parish rice farmer Richard Fontenot pointed out, this event is about sharing with any and all, including Maria Montial, a rice breeder from Argentina. Here you have uh, more access to technologies. And in Argentina, we are, have been working in conventional breeding for a long time. So now we maybe are changing our minds in Argentina, looking all this uh, process. In USA. But Montial is not the only one here looking to learn. Ann Itzel is the Region 6 Administrator for the Environmental Protection Agency. It's by speaking with rice farmers like Kevin Birkin that she hopes to learn how the agency can best serve the people she calls customers. It's vitally important for folks to understand that for us to continue making those human health and environmental benefits going forward and really realizing those gains, we need to have the ag community very firmly at that table informing our opinions and, and, and our decision making, helping us better understand what they do on a day-to-day -day basis. And there's nobody, nobody that can do that better, better than the rice farmers here in Louisiana to communicate their message, their needs, their wants, the challenges they face, and the very creative solutions they're crafting to deal with those challenges. Anderson says that's one of the roles of Farm Bureau, to be that conduit of information from the farm or ranch to the people who make laws and regulations. We can work with the people in Baton Rouge, we can work with the people in Washington, we can work with our delegations to show them the need for all of this, and we kind of bring it all together. Thanks again to Avery Davidson for that report from the LSU Ag Center's H. Rouse Caffey Rice Research Station Field Day in Crowley.
Coming up next, we go to Washington, D.C. to talk with Louisiana's 5th District Congressman Ralph Abraham, who was recently named to the 2018 Farm Bill Conference Committee. That's next on Grassroots Government here on the Voice of Louisiana Agriculture podcast. This is Trace Atkins for the Louisiana Farm Bureau Federation. Farm Bureau has been working for Louisiana's farmers and ranchers since 1922, and that work continues today. If you're a farmer or rancher, Farm Bureau wants you to join and be a part of their family. Farm Bureau knows you're busy running your operation, so while you're at work on your farm or ranch, Farm Bureau is watching out for your interests. So join today. The Louisiana Farm Bureau Federation, the voice of Louisiana agriculture. It's time for a look inside the halls of government in this week's edition of Grassroots Government on the Voice of Louisiana Agriculture podcast. And our guest on Grassroots Government this week is Congressman Ralph Abraham, Louisiana's 5th District Congressman, who also sits on the Ag Committee. Thanks so much for joining us, Congressman. Hey, thanks for having me. Let's start by talking about the Farm Bill. I know both the House and the Senate have both passed their respective versions of the bill. The bill is now set to go to conference committee, and I know that you have been appointed to that conference committee. If you would catch us up on what's been going on behind the scenes as we get these bills ready to go to conference. Well, behind the scenes, there has been some, you know, mild uh, modifications, uh, those that can be done without, uh, you know, actual votes being cast on them. So that when this bill does go to conference, which will hopefully be in September, I would prefer it to be earlier, but that looks like the more realistic date, uh, that, you know, uh, the little items will be uh, ironed out. And then uh, the differences between the House and the Senate bills can, uh, the, the large differences, can just be front and center and get them done. Probably the biggest difference between these bills is an issue that you and I have discussed in the past, and that is the work requirements for food stamps. The House bill contained that. The Senate bill did not. I've seen some news stories that said there's been some fairly heated words between the two sides here in the last couple of weeks over that issue. What are you hearing on that issue, and where do you think that's going to, to go once we get into conference? I hope where it goes is that, you know, those that uh, can work uh, do work. I am a, you know, a huge supporter of uh, allowing those that are having problems finding good uh, jobs uh, to give them the training that they need to get back in the workforce. Uh, Certainly my constituents, the people that I grew up with in the Delta, uh, you know, they do want that good job and we want them to certainly have that good job. I want the funds available that if that job is available, they take that job. And if it's not, let's give them training to get that good job that has a living wage, not a minimum wage income. But again, this when we have people that are uh, not working, that are receiving benefits, it's directly hurting those that need the benefits the most. Uh, so we need to get those people that can work uh, to work. And again, I can tell you, most of those uh, in that category, they want that job. It seems like this issue has believers on both sides that it may be one of those issues that could 
potentially sink this bill, uh, you know, say if it comes out with the requirements, uh, those in the Senate uh, may feel strongly enough just to, just to sink the bill. And same thing in the House, if it comes out without the requirements. Do you feel like this could be a poison pill either way it goes? I don't think it's so much a poison pill. It, it could certainly be uh, a contentious debate uh, once we get the conference bill out. But, uh, you know, as we saw on the House side, not one Democrat voted for the uh, farm bill, unfortunately. And it is a bill that affects everybody in America. It's actually a good bill. And it will probably, unfortunately, on the House side, be along party lines again. Now, moving to the Senate, uh, we certainly have some of those Democrats that, uh, you know, are in a tight race as far as uh, their reelection is concerned that voted for the farm bill the first time. And I would hope they would vote for the conference bill. So we'll just see how it goes. Uh, you know, 80% of uh, the United States uh, citizens you know, won't these work requirements? Uh, this is a, a issue that has been polled many, many times. And, uh, you know, again, the good citizens of America want those that can work to work. Congressman, another big story out of Washington, D.C. recently is the resignation of Scott Pruitt, the administrator of the Environmental Protection Agency. What is your impression of his successor, Andrew Wheeler? Do you feel like he's going to be friendly to agriculture or at least give agriculture a fair shake when it comes to issues? Yeah, I do think the acting secretary, Wheeler, will be fair to agriculture and what I hope he does. And, you know, he's already postured in some aspects already in the direction is that he will simply continue Scott Pruitt's uh, march to deregulate uh, not only the agriculture industry, but our industrial industry, so many other uh, burdens that are keeping our businesses and agricultural from growing. Uh, let's get these regulations off the back of farmers. Let's get them off the back of our industrial uh, workers and the ones that uh, employ, you know, just hundreds of thousands of people across this country. And let's get back to work. So I think Wheeler will continue that uh, track that Pruitt put in place. I hope he does. And I'm looking forward to uh, watching what happens. Probably one of the most controversial issues that came out of the EPA and the last administration uh, against agriculture was the WOTUS rule, the Waters of the U.S. rule, which would put some very burdensome regulations on agriculture. Do you feel that uh, Mr. Wheeler is going to continue to try to roll that back just like Scott Pruitt did? I think he will. I, you know, the WOTUS rule was uh, bad from the get-go and uh, certainly... Uh, Former Secretary Pruitt recognized that and luckily uh, you know, took, it, took it off the front burner and basically not only put it on the back burner, but threw it out the back kitchen door. So hopefully Wheeler will do the same thing. Our farmers certainly need the relief of this. We don't need some uh, irrigation ditch or some little trench running through a farm being called a, a navigable waterway and uh, you know, falling into that category. So, again, I think we're in a good spot with uh, Wheeler. We, again, only time will tell, but uh, and we'll watch him close. Well, Congressman, we are here right in the middle of summer, but before we know it, fall will be here and deer season will be upon us. I saw a news story recently where you have sponsored a bill dealing with chronic wasting disease in our deer herd here in this country. Tell me about that bill. Well, you know, CWD is a very unknown disease as far as how it is transmitted, uh, whether it's, uh, you know, just through body fluids. Uh, we're We're just not sure. So what my bill does, It's uh, H.R. 6272. Uh, It just simply uh, lets the U.S. Department of Agriculture partner 
with the National Academy of the Sciences to study and identify the ways that the CWD is transmitted between wild and captive uh, surveys, you know, deer, elk, moose, those types of animals. Uh, again, you know, I worry that uh, when a hunter harvests a deer, that if there is some possibility of exposure to humans being transferable, uh, you know, we've got to be very careful here. So, you know, certainly we don't want to see our deer population decimated by this disease. Uh, as importantly or more importantly, we do not want it uh, to ever be transmissible between deer and human. So hopefully what this study will do is shed light on some very unknown, uh, you know, things that we need to find out what the uh, what the truth is. Congressman, I really appreciate the call. Thank you so much. All right. Y'all have a great day, guys. Louisiana 5th District Congressman Ralph Abraham. Coming up next, we go in the field to talk to one of you. We'll go to West Monroe, Louisiana, to visit with Jeff Landry, owner of Landry Vineyards. That's next on the Voice of Louisiana Agriculture podcast. This is Trace Atkins for the Louisiana Farm Bureau Federation. If you're a farmer or rancher, Farm Bureau wants you to join and be a part of their family. I grew up in Louisiana farm country, and I know all the hard work and sacrifice that you put into raising livestock, growing a crop, raising a family, and running a farm. Farm Bureau puts that same hard work and sacrifice into making life better for you and your family, so join today. The Louisiana Farm Bureau Federation, the voice of Louisiana agriculture. We're taking you to the fields of Louisiana as we hear from one of you in the field on the Voice of Louisiana Agriculture podcast. We go in the field this week to West Monroe, Louisiana. We're going to talk to Jeff Landry of Landry Vineyards. Jeff, how you doing today, buddy? Doing great. Getting ready for harvest. Getting ready for harvest. Well, I was going to ask you about that. We're going to talk about that later in the interview. But first, for those who may not be familiar with you and your operation, Jeff, tell me about Landry Vineyards. Uh, give me a little bit of a history lesson on it, if you will. Well, first of all, we're a Louisiana wine producer. Um, and we started growing grapes in 1999 in Folsom, Louisiana. Uh, we're originally from St. Charles Parish. Uh, Libby and I grew up, my wife and I grew up in St. Charles. I'm from Luling, and she is from the Zalmans. And uh, we have, both of us have ties to agriculture. Uh, her dad was a commercial fisherman all his life. And my grandparents were cotton farmers in Point Capee Parish, uh, the Bruyette family. So that's my mama's side of the family. But we always, uh, we grew up around ag- agriculture. I've always had a love for agriculture, and we decided to grow grapes, to plant grapes there in Folsom, Louisiana, looking for something that we could do as a family uh, where we could take a raw product, add value to it, and stability. And we uh, had this love for agriculture. We moved out to the country, 25 acres of land, and uh, I had grown to appreciate wine, and then I discovered that in fact you can grow grapes here in Louisiana, wine grapes, quality wine grapes. And then you end up getting transplanted thanks to Hurricane yes. Katrina. That's right. Hurricane Katrina was our 
opportunity. I tell people, don't feel sorry for us. We did just fine as a result of Hurricane Katrina. We sold our property, and it, it worked out for our good. And this is a much better growing situation. The conditions are more conducive to growing wine grapes here because we don't have the Gulf influence uh, that, that uh, we had down in South Louisiana. Uh, and ordinarily, it's drought conditions. We're getting a little rain now, but the fruit is in great shape this year. You know, so yeah, that's how we got up here through Hurricane Katrina. And the community has really embraced what we're doing. They are very supportive. And really, more and more Louisianians are learning about, you know, the, the, the truth of being able to grow wine grapes right here in Louisiana. How many acres do you have in production there uh, in West Monroe, Jeff? We have 17 acres in the ground. Uh, when in production, that'll produce around 80 tons of grapes. You know, so we're at about 60 tons of grapes now. So you definitely have room for expansion. Absolutely. We purchased 30 acres across the street, and we have lots more acreage to go. So we, we're careful about planting grapes because it costs about $20,000 to get one acre of grapes in production. Wow. And the raw crop value is only about 6000 We do bring in grapes from California and even Columbia Valley, Washington State, where we can purchase some really nice fruit and make some premium wines that we're really getting excited about because we're about to release next year our first Washington State grapes. Um, and, that, you know, that just enables us to be more successful as a Louisiana winery. We are very passionate about producing grapes right here in Louisiana that represent our great state. Um, but, you know, there's lots of other opportunities for us to grow in different areas and really become, hopefully, we hope, a, a, a premium wine-making business, you know. Jeff, what kind of production year has it been for you up there as far as growing grapes is concerned? Um, we're Like I said, we're around 50 to 60 tons, um, and the grapes grow really well. So uh, we're having a, a great experience with it. We're not having, you know, it's very manageable. It is Everybody has problems, as any farmer knows, you know, you run into different issues, whether it be insects or fungus in our case. Um, but the, we're really having a great deal of success here in these sandy hills in West Monroe. With the, hill, the, sand, the hills and the sand, when we do get precipitation, the water moves away from the root system, which is very important for grape growing. They will not tolerate wet feet. So um, a lot of advantages here in North Louisiana to growing grapes. Well, you mentioned that it is harvest time. Uh, tell me about what's going to start happening around there when you start harvesting grapes. Well, first of all, we have been handpicked uh, from the beginning. And last year we purchased a harvester because it just has reached a point where we, it's almost impossible to get all the fruit out in a timely manner. Um, there's not a lot of people who want to do that type of work. Uh, it's really tough. It's hot, as you, as you know, in August. Uh, that's when we bring in the white grapes. Uh, this year looks like it's going to be closer to the end of July. Um, we've had a little bit of a warmer season and an earlier start, perhaps. But um, so we have we bought a harvester, and the harvester works extremely well. It's very gentle on the vines. It shakes the vine, shakes the vines, and shakes the grapes off, and uh, extracts the the, the uh, mog material other than grapes. And uh, we have just really nice, pristine fruit. Uh, really excited about our future because we can continue to grow now, um, plant more grapes. I know you continually add new wines. How many wines are you making now, Jeff? 
19. I think we're the count right now is 19 and we'll be soon re- releasing another and, and then next year, a couple of more. So that's, that's more coming. You know, we, we're always uh, looking forward to doing new things that uh, we think our customers will appreciate. Jeff Landry of Landry Vineyards in West Monroe, Louisiana. Jeff, I'm overdue a visit. I've got to come up there and see you again. Please do. We, we love having people come, and, of course, we love visiting with you and your wonderful sweet wife. Jeff Landry of Landry Vineyards in West Monroe, Louisiana. Coming up next, it's time to take a look inside the markets. We have our regular market analyst standing by to give you an update on the grain and livestock markets. That's next on the Voice of Louisiana Agriculture podcast. This is Trace Atkins for the Louisiana Farm Bureau Federation. Louisiana farmers and ranchers dedicate their lives to producing the food we eat and the clothes we wear. Agriculture touches all of us every time we sit down at the table. So support Louisiana agriculture by joining Farm Bureau. And you don't have to be a farmer to join. If you're already a member, we thank you. Your membership supports farmers and ranchers right here in your local community. The Louisiana Farm Bureau Federation, the voice of Louisiana agriculture. Now let's look at the markets with insight from the experts at the Louisiana Farm Bureau Marketing Association on the Voice of Louisiana Agriculture podcast. The grain markets finished higher on Friday, finishing in positive territory for just about all of the grain contracts. Greg Fox with the Louisiana Farm Bureau Marketing Association says overall, it was a fairly good week for the grains. Uh, This week we've seen nice green on the markets. Uh, indicating we're up pretty much every day. Uh, we haven't covered everything that we lost, but we saw some nice recoveries throughout this week. It pretty much all started off uh, with a little dip in the overall crop ratings for the U.S. came in a little bit lower uh, than the previous week, uh, although we're still within uh, the, on the good side as far as for the five-year average for good to excellent. But, um, you know, it's good to see that dip in those ratings. It helps gives us a little bit of boost. Nothing has changed as far as for tariff talks, trade talks. The weather still looks favorable, but when we start dipping into August, it looks like it could get hot and dry. Rice harvest is now getting underway in Louisiana, and the rice market has been mostly steady over the last week or so. That's according to rice marketer Mark Tall with the Louisiana Farm Bureau Marketing Association. September new crop futures have traded sideways over the last five days. September has traded about 1170 to a high of 1197 per hundred. At this point, no real fundamental change, but maybe soon, and when it does, the market will react accordingly. The cash market is unchanged and steady, trading at around 1173 a hundred based on a 62 over 70 number two long grain. More farmers have started harvesting in various locations in the last couple of days. At this point, There are no field yields to report due to limited harvesting at this time. The world market price was lower this week. Home grain down 48, medium down 47, and brokers down 29. We look forward to serving our farmers' needs in the 2018-19 marketing year. Happy harvesting. The soybean market closed higher on Friday. August beans up three and three quarters, 849 and three quarters. New crop November beans up three and a quarter, 
864 and three quarters. The corn market closed strongly higher with September corn up four cents, 355 and a quarter. December corn up four, closing at 369. September wheat was up 11 and three quarters to finish the week at 516 a bushel. Rough rice closed slightly higher. September rice up six and a half, 1193. November rice up nine and a half, 1178 and a half. The cotton market closed lower. October cotton down 80 points, 87.50. December cotton down 51 at 87.04. September sugar up four, closing at 25.26. Cattle futures were mixed. August live cattle up two, 108.92. August feeder cattle down 77, closing at 153.67. Now to talk about the cattle markets, we talk to our regular market analyst Dave Foster former market reporter here in Louisiana and current CEO of Cattle Producers of Louisiana. How you doing today, Dave? Doing fine, doing fine. Well, we've got a lot to talk about today. USDA released a couple of fairly big reports that we can discuss. First off, let's talk about the Cattle on Feed report. That's released every month, and uh, we usually discuss that when it comes out. The numbers that came out on the Cattle on Feed report, Dave, anything in those numbers that stuck out to you? Well, I, I was glad to see that uh, this particular cattle on feed report came uh, close uh, to, if you will, the guesstimates of all these uh, all these experts. And so, like I say, the numbers were very close. Uh, the estimates for uh, for the, the total cattle on feed was four percent more than a year ago, and that's that's what the experts said. And uh, then placements were were one percent. Uh, above, uh, and that was about what uh, they were saying. So that's a good thing. And then, and then marketing. So um, the experts had had it right, right, uh, the same as the same period a year ago, and it showed one percent more. So t- for me, that's that's a huge thing when we're talking about, and we're just kind of coming through, and we're on the downhill slide side uh, carry of. Uh, the these feedlots marketing cattle and as you know we 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 were into a, a huge wall of cattle that we had to work through uh, and I will compliment both the feeders and the packers uh, for getting this through in a way that um, it, it it seemed to me that every everybody was making money the packers certainly made uh, made some money the feeders uh, they were uh, they were expecting to uh, to really have a horrible, horrible time getting through all these numbers and the price. Uh, back as a matter of fact, back in February, uh, there was predictions that the fat cattle market could be below a dollar, and I think the lowest it got was somewhere around a, a dollar six or seven. So uh, we're we're doing. I, I I think we're doing very well with that. Uh, like I say, we're on the downhill side, so that tells me that we're in good shape. Demand is. Is still pretty good. The product is moving. Uh, So those things are positive all for us. Let's talk about this other report that came out. USDA releases a cattle inventory report twice every year, once in January, once in July. We got that report out this week, and the numbers in it show that our all cattle and calves are at 101% of a year ago, so we're up 1% larger than a year ago. The calf crop at 102% of a year ago, so overall the cow herd and the overall cattle herd continues to expand. That's an interesting thing, and and what I am really looking uh, to see what what happens uh, 
the end of January in 2019, Kerry, because what will happen then, of course, it'll be the the inventory uh, beginning of the, the year 2019. Because I've been watching these figures of um, of the number of, of cows that have gone to slaughter the first six months of this year, and it, it is it is a pretty sizable. It, it's 11 percent higher than a year ago. Well, that kind of tells me that we're 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 not building inventory, uh, and there may be part. There's part of that could be uh, some dairy cattle moving. Uh, because of, of the dairy situation that we're in. Uh, but the other thing is that, that heifers, uh, heifer, heifer kill is almost 8% higher for, through the first six months. And, and what, Kerry, what did the report show uh, that, that, uh, that the heifer inventory was? When you look at the heifer numbers, it showed that uh, heifers for beef cow replacement, 98% of a year ago. So we're, we're holding less heifers over to replace uh, the cows that we're losing. Yeah, that, that is right. And, and you know, the beauty of this kind of a deal, you never know sometimes about these reports. And sometimes we question uh, these quote, quote, government reports. But really, that, that fits into exactly uh, what's been happening. Uh, I was I was watching some of the uh, the video sales earlier this year. We had one here. Superior had a big one in in Louisiana in April. Uh, a lot of those heifers that were for sale uh, there, and I know many of the ranchers here uh, would would sell uh, replacement heifers and wholesome heifers back. That that wasn't happening this year uh, through the whole country. The same kind of a scenario. Uh, and talking to many people throughout this, the United States, uh, asking them about, uh, you know, are you saving heifers? Are you saving heifers? And and the answer was pretty much uh, no through all the people that I had talked to. So so that tells us that um, you know we um, we're, we're we're certainly not building our herd or expanding our herd at the rate that uh, we thought we would uh, two or three years ago. Well, Dave, let's bring that close to home. What does that mean for the Louisiana cattle industry? Uh, well, again, for us in a cow-calf state, that's uh, that's kind of a good thing. Uh, to be a little bit short of, of, of numbers, if you will, uh, because, you know, we're we're not in the in the market, really. Uh, our, our commodity that we sell are, are uh, wean calves and yearling cattle, and, and so... Uh, uh, we're we're depending on uh, that demand being high for cattle going to somewhere, going to uh, a wheat development deal, going to a grass deal, uh, ending up in a feedlot and going to that packer. So that's what our market is focused on. And uh, as numbers increase, prices tend to get lower because they're anticipating uh, just a, a lot of supply, and and that may uh, that may not be as true as they thought which in the long run for us is uh, is going to be a, a very good thing. Dave Foster, Cattle Producers of Louisiana, thanks so much for the insight, Dave. You are more than welcome. Coming up next, we take a look at the Louisiana Ag Calendar to see what's happening in Louisiana agriculture over the next couple of weeks and put the wraps on this edition of the Voice of Louisiana Agriculture podcast.
This is Trace Atkins for the Louisiana Farm Bureau Federation. Believe it or not, your food doesn't come from the grocery store. It just may have been grown on a farm right here in Louisiana. And those jeans you're wearing may have come from a Louisiana cotton farm. Louisiana's farmers and ranchers take pride in producing the food and fiber that we all use in our daily lives. So each time you sit down to a meal or get dressed for the day, thank a Louisiana farmer or rancher. The Louisiana Farm Bureau Federation, the voice of Louisiana agriculture. Now to wrap up this week's podcast, let's take a look at what's coming up this week on the Louisiana Ag Calendar. We have three events coming up on the Louisiana Ag Calendar in the coming week, and they're all on the same day, Thursday, July 26th. First is the LSU Ag Center's Sugarcane Field Day. That will be held in Generette on Thursday. If you'd like more information, check out the LSU Ag Center's website at lsuagcenter.com. The next event happening on Thursday, the 26th, the Louisiana Farm Bureau's Coastal Advisory Committee will be holding their meeting in Baton Rouge at the Farm Bureau headquarters. That again is on Thursday. And then our third meeting happening on the 26th is a seed cotton program workshop. Now that seed cotton is back into Title I of the Farm Bill, there will be a workshop to help you make that transition and give you all the information you need to participate in that program. That will be held in Winsboro again on Thursday, July 26th. That is a look at the Louisiana Ag Calendar, and that puts the wraps on Episode 12 of the Voice of Louisiana Agriculture podcast. It felt good to get back in the saddle after taking a couple of weeks off. Hope you enjoyed it. I know I did and am looking forward to be back with you again every week on a regular basis. In the meantime, be sure to connect with us on social media. We're on both Facebook and Twitter at Voice of LA Ag. We update those on a daily basis with the latest news and information in Louisiana agriculture. We'll see you back in one week on the Voice of Louisiana Agriculture podcast. Thanks for listening to the Voice of Louisiana Agriculture podcast. Join us again next week. This podcast is produced by Carrie Martin and the Louisiana Farm Bureau Federation. For more information, be sure to check out our website, voiceoflouisianaagriculture.org and lafarmbureau.org.